Yeah, exactly. You got it. Nonchalant. <laughs> little vocab word to start it off. The uh, impression of genuine conversation. <laughs> the illusion. But, you know, anyone can recognize your voice, so they know who it is. It is unmistakable, that is for sure. Yeah, it's, it's hard to live in your shadow. <laughs> eh, you're getting a lot of light, don't you worry. But uh, anyone who knows anything knows that uh, we're, we're listening, we're talking, we're in the middle of full impact here. After a long hiatus. Well, technically we're at the end, but I guess that's a matter of opinion, right? <laughs> yes, well, some people say that <laughs> conversations never end they just have longer breaks in between that's there we go i'll go we'll go with that but yeah this is full impact as i'm sure everyone knows if you're this far into it and it is a neon genesis evangelion exegesis <laughs> say that 10 times fast and uh i'm one of your hosts nick nicholas for long and with me Still here. Can you believe it? Allison. <laughs> still hanging on. Still following up. Very, I know. very excited, though, to uh, be covering this movie. I know that we kind of, especially long term fans have waited for this for a long time. So it's kind of cool to be able to uh, finally talk about it. Yeah, I feel like a very popular band that <laughs> went off the edge for a while. No one yeah. knew what was happening. And now they're back on world tour. Yeah, with a new album. Um, but let's hop right into it. Let's we'll do, do a it. brief little recap of what happened in the last film before we move on to this one here. Um, so we got Evangelion 3.33, uh, You Cannot Redo. Uh, we left off with, uh, you know, Shinji and Kaora were paired up in Ava 13 going uh they were with gendo and fiyutsuki going against uh vila with uh misato and asuka right M misato kind of branched off into her own rogue organization right yeah 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 they're uh separate from nerve now they right. hate nerve yeah um and they have a really cool ship called uh the wunder <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh ray's there kind of <laughs> yeah look alike ray yep and then uh kaura takes the ds choker from a dss choker from shinji and dies before our eyes classic and uh you know ensuing trauma right. the 13 goes down battles ensue and then we end it with uh asuka picking up shinji from uh the entry plug and Ray pops up too, and then that's our little trio heading off into the red wasteland. Into the red abyss. Yeah, and then we we cue Shinji being all, you know, just totally shut down now. Because, I mean, as, as if he wasn't fragile already, he really, um, you know, he was attached to that dude. And they were literally in it together. And so I think this is a big blow for Shinji. Yeah, he's a sensitive dude. And he, he is just a sensitive watched his, his little friend get decapitated his capital yes. was detained in front of him <laughs> right there in front of him yeah so we we know that shinji is in a a big dark hole of sadness right now 
Yes. Oh, also, while we're here, uh, we're thinking probably five episodes for this movie. Um, I know that seems like a lot, but that's not necessarily that all of them are going to be long, but um, it just helps us break it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so this one, we start off with a pretty jarring and unfamiliar scene. We're in Europe, in France, everything's red. Um, and we start off on Misato's team. Uh, they're doing some, they're on some mission and they're under a, a time limit, a quick time limit here. Uh, <clears throat> it is cool to see someplace that's not Japan. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And and just to make one comment, um, I thought it was really cool the opening, how you know how stark it was, and how like very cool the imagery is, and the blue and the red, and everything is very like because in the early days of of the show, the animation was you know what it was, but now we're seeing it in like full living color, and it's I it just immediately grabs your attention. I think. Yeah, for sure. And I remember seeing the trailers for this movie and you know especially for fans like us where we have all these questions and most of the time they're they can't be answered so having questions like well we know there are nerve branches around the world but up until now we don't we never really saw them right and now here we have you know Misato's team they basically following the events of the previous movie they're looking to get um Evangelion parts. Um, they're looking to repair unit two um, so that they can get her back up and running. And basically this is um, another base. And so it has the parts that they need, but right. it's covered in all this red shit. So. Well, you know. and they, I think in the very beginning, they reference it as the Paris assault fleet. Um, and it's supposed to be 16 years in, after the last one, right? Yes. Am I correct on that? Okay. Just so that we have like a, a point of reference here for, for time, like how much time has gone by, because obviously we're in a different environment, but we're also in a different time period too. So. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, my first thoughts here are what, what is this red stuff? Because obviously we saw it, the red, the red color scheme is not foreign to us, but this is the first time we're seeing people kind of interacting with it post right. impact right it's, it's and, unnatural to see people being able to survive in that environment yes and we find out that they they can't survive it and that's why they have those suits on right um so it's they call it it's like the area we're looking at has been converted into core material and uh so in there so basically like it's I don't think they can, I don't even know if they can touch it because they, they spend their times on a, on a platform. Right. Or suspended in the air. Yeah. And obviously they can't breathe in there. And so it seems almost like a. Like, like a the thing. aftermath of like a nuclear attack. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's, uh, oh my gosh. Hazardous. Yes. Radioactive almost. Contaminated. Indeed. So a um, little off topic here, I've started, I like to play the movies 
while we're talking so I can follow along a little bit better. Uh, but I chose the wrong one. So do you wanna um, make some sparkling conversation while I fix this? <laughs> yes, what else is a co-host here for but to, to help fill the time? Um, I just wanna mention too that uh, it might be beneficial, at least it was for me to go back and rewatch um, the previous movie just to kind of catch you up. I mean, you get a great recap in the beginning of this movie, but um, I just think that it, it sets you up nicely to move into this one. It brought back a lot of characters and, and themes that I had not thought about when going into this one. So I, you know, for anyone who's listening, I think that it might be beneficial to do that. Um, it also, you know, anytime you rewatch anything, you find things that you didn't see before or, um, you know, that you appreciate in a new way, considering, you know, time has gone by. So yeah, that's, that's my advice for the listeners out there, if you're wondering. Um, and as always, if you're looking to, you know, um, give us your feedback on the movie or as you're listening and rewatching, um, you know where to find us at full impact at gmail.com full impact podcast at gmail.com yeah 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 so. we had some some very kind fans reach out while we were yes gone. it's been very yes it's been awesome to hear from you so um you know we're glad to be back and if there's anything out there that you guys would like us to cover or talk about we are always open to suggestions well most of the time <laughs> so let's get back in i appreciate right. that so no problem so the team here, they're trying to activate an anti-L system, which will basically get rid of the red stuff so they can operate within this area and use it to their advantage. Um, and I believe in, I think it was in 2.2, we saw more of these rods. Like in this film, it's a really big one, um, but there were smaller ones in other films and basically it almost, it cleans or purifies the core material within an area mm -hmm. and they're trying to hack it so that they can, you know, live there. Or not live there, but do their thing. Right. Get their stuff. Um, and I love how not only is Wunder itself this powerhouse, but I love that the the battleships that they use, they're not even, they're hardly even used as battleships. They're mostly like used as shields. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting how it happens. It open like it opens up like an umbrella. And you're like, hold up, what are these ships doing in the in the sky? And then they just, you're right, they just kind of surround them almost like a force field. Uh, but it's incredibly intimidating. And they're, you know, they look like some big ass ships. Yeah, huge. And, you know, this little mission that they're on, it's not, you know, run of the mill, like, hey, next week, uh, don't make plans. We're going to go deactivate, you know, this thing and get the anti-L system up and running. Like, this is something that other teams have failed to do and died trying so and we know from the film that you know it's a they don't have a, the time limit's pretty short right but i mean you got ritsko on the case so you know yeah and everything is happening like lightning quick too you know the the banter between them and a lot of it is just like i mean i at least for me i don't tend to like tune too much into the technical things that they say mm -hmm. um just because i would get so wrapped up in it that i would like lose focus so um but there is there seems to be a lot of planning and strategic timing and you know a very specific way that they have to do this so you're right it's not like they just wake up in the morning and this is what you know they've been planning and training for all of this yeah absolutely and you know i try to i i do like to 
elaborate on some of the technical terms when I can, just because when I'm watching and they say something I don't get, especially someone who is trying to do a podcast on this, it infuriates me. No, it doesn't. But in case you're wondering, the <laughs> capsule, the air, the little craft that they're um, operating with here, that's the DSRV. That's the name of that little uh, little craft that they're working with here. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the anti-L system is the giant pillar. Um, and so I think shortly after that, I mean, that's pretty run-of-the-mill. After that is when we get uh, attacked by these... Um, four 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 c's yes the four 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 c's <laughs> yes uh which uh, so and here's here's a question for you so they they referenced the vatican treaty are that somehow it's illegal to have this kind of force or something am i right about yeah that? they referenced it uh and either the second or third one because they ended up putting i believe it was unit two kind of in like a containment chamber because um, mm-hmm. they had I think Mari's come in or something of like that or no it wasn't Mari's it was what was it unit four I always get three and four mixed up the mm-hmm. one that gets possessed they get that one in from the U.S. and they're like yo Oscar, right. uh, sorry girl but we can only have this many at a time per this treaty so and since this one's not even ours because it's you know, like the German branches unit too. Um, we're gonna pop this in a little locker till later. <laughs> a little snack for later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we do get attacked by these Evangelion Mark point four four A's, and they're smaller, and they come in two waves. And you know, Mari does her thing. She's capable. She's grown on me. I mean, I, I would I would venture to say that she's more than capable. I mean, she's also using a suit that we have not seen, right? I mean, this is, she's like moving around and there's like, like a whole new contraption and she's very like confident and lackadaisical about the whole thing, it seems. Um, so I don't know. I, I've always kind of liked Mari. I, she's a little abrasive, but um, I think she gets the job done. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, is her singing pleasant perhaps not but you know it's character that's right hey we, we've all got our things right so yeah so she dispatches them you know in this aerial assault which is beautiful in and of itself yes agreed especially with a a method that she's unfamiliar with you know with the steering wheel and swiveling around <laughs> i loved it, it was kind of like tokyo drifting with that <laughs> With that steering wheel, how she was like putting it in reverse and dry, like it was, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she's a boss and it's great. And like, I won't, I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously. And I would assume that if you're listening to this, you, I'm thinking you've already watched the whole thing, but in case you're watching it in bits, I won't spoil it. So don't worry. But I will say that they threw her in earlier in the series and like out of nowhere. Yeah. But she, fits into the story quite nicely with this one this one really does tie it up in a nice little bow which i appreciate i agree i i would agree with that <clears throat> so after dispatching the uh eva mark 0.44 a's double four a's whatever you want to call them <laughs> um 
a new wave pops up um, with an Evangelion mark, catch this shit, 0.4444C. Boom, four Cs. No, four fours, one C. Four fours, one C, yes. Um, with a cannon, and it's got little baby 0.44Bs <laughs> that supply it. <laughs> Who is effort. naming these things? Who is naming these things? You need to have better names. <laughs> I, I mean, knowing that they're being sent by Nerf and therefore Gendo doesn't surprise me that they have terribly boring names. Yeah, I okay, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I guess it, we don't really know glasses for his creativity. So yeah, I guess I guess I can concede to that. But I still wish they had better names. You know, I, I'll I'll think on it for next time and uh, maybe come up with some some new. Yeah, ones. think 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 on it here. I will. And while watching this cannon fire, which it's no joke. This thing, this cannon's pretty boss. And I think I already have my answer, but you know, it's worth discussion anyways. I suppose we're looking at Evangelion Mark point four 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 C, the cannon thing, versus. Ramiel, who's who do you, I mean I feel like Ramiel would kick its ass but uh, I, I I mean hands down I think so I, I this just seems like a whole drone thing whereas I think there was more intellect in, uh, with him so uh, yeah I don't think it would be a comparison that's no I guess I just enjoy the thought of the competition between the two knowing that Ramiel would win yeah well because I mean, I mean it, it, it this thing blasts through these battleships like they're aluminum foil. Right. But uh, you know, Ramiel blasted through a mountain like it was dirt. So I mean, it would be nice to have like, you know, that showdown, like extra scenes where <laughs> fans get to write in, like, I want to see this battle mm-hmm. go. Real quick tangent here, there's a like spin-off of Dragon Ball that's like not canon, and basically they just like answer all those things they're just like what if this and this happened and they fought just like these crazy scenarios i mean that's i think that's a great idea just build more content that's what we need i agree that's what five want. all right so mari kicks ass shoves the eiffel tower up its shout <laughs> they win yep. they activate the pillar and, you know, mission successful, just in the nick of time. Always, always in the nick of time. <laughs> and also, little shout out here. Mari does save Ritsuko very narrowly, from what I remember. Yes. Ritsuko, lab coat, we talking about? Yeah. Which, by the way, um, she she too is one of my faves, and I'm very happy to see her. And she was kind of standing on top of the thing by herself, like in the opening, um, while everybody's like scrambling. And she just has this very calm, confident look on her face, like she knows exa- everything is going to go the way it's supposed to go. I don't know. I really dig her. I'm glad she's back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We love seeing the whole team here. Absolutely. It's it's. You know, it brings back all the, the old memories. <laughs> it does. And, you know, when they when they win here and everything's, you know, the area gets clean, purified, whatever you want to call it, and all the compartments come popping up out of the ground, it's pretty cool, especially that, with a city we know. Yes, I agree. I was very 
it, I thought that was amazing that it just all of a sudden just rose right up from the ground. Like it, it would be amazing for that to really happen. I wonder how long it'll be before it actually does. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking like, I don't come across a lot of particularly tall buildings in my day-to-day -day life, but when I do see one, you know, you look at it and you're like, damn, that's a big building. Yes. Yeah, one big ass building. Yes. And to imagine being like overlooking a city that starts off practically flat and then the whole thing just comes up with these huge skyscrapers that'd be unreal and the, the hydraulic system you've got to have to you know be maneuvering those big giant things is that that technology is is pretty impressive um i mean i obviously don't know the <laughs> physics of it all but uh it seems like a very very big accomplishment yes for sure um, so with the success of their mission, you know, they're going to repair unit two and they're going to modify unit eight, which is, um, Mari's unit. Mari's unit, right. Um, they also mentioned that, or I'm not sure if they said it outright or implied it, that basically when, like, all the people here, or Lillen, if you want to call them, like, they can't be around this area obviously without protection, but someone like Asuka, from my understanding, can be in there. Same with yes. Shinji and Rei. Yes. And it, I would assume Mari. Yes. Yes. Because of the, their pilot status, I believe that that makes them immune to the hazard that the regular Lillian would have. Uh, Asuka makes reference to it uh, coming up here pretty soon, I'm pretty sure. Um, and her disgust of the Lillian people and how she doesn't even want to associate with them. I think yes. it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, she really digs into them. It's almost like yeah. know, she's looking at them as like a different species. Yes, well, I mean, Asuka's always had that air about her that she's better than everyone else. So it's not surprising, but she really leans into this. And I think also too, because she she's the odd one out in this situation. I mean, there's way more of them than there are of her. And so, you know, before when she was at school, they were kind of her peers, but these are people that have no, she has no use for, you know? So I think it, it's just funny how much she dogs on them. <laughs> yeah, she really, she really do be dogging. And, and, and I know it, they do mention uh, those, those, the pillar, the big one that we see, if in case you're wondering, I know I mentioned that we see them in previous films, but what they are used for otherwise is uh, to contain things like unstable Ava's or angels. That would be their purpose otherwise. Gotcha. But uh, we don't see them used in this larger scale until this film. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so I'm pretty sure following that opening scene, which is, I mean, what a scene to really get you into the film. Yeah, it really throws you right back into it. And, you know, it's just, it, and they did the same thing with the last movie too, with the, you know, Asuka coming in on the rocket booster in space and, you know, freeing unit one from that weird metal cross thing. Mm -hmm. They really have a way of, starting off with these scenes that are not only visually incredible but that the content themselves is not something we're familiar with right but then next you know juxtaposed there's another vocab word for it uh next to that is the the three of them just alone 
walking through this like desolate area and Shinji, you know, sad sack as ever, just kind of moping behind. Asuka's always in the lead, Ray's in the middle, just wondering what the hell's going on. And Shinji's just back pouting like usual. Um, yeah. So it's it's new with reminding us of their, you know, their roles in this. And I think that's kind of, it was kind of cool that they had that uh, contrast between them. Yeah. And I mean, the scenery of them, I think that, I mean, as much as I love the opening with Mari, I think that this montage of them walking through the city by themselves, finding their way is probably my, my favorite so far. I love not like there's so much added elements to this post impact world than the TV series post impact world. And it's very rich. I love the red color scheme. It's silly that like, it looks like the world looks otherwise the same as just red, but I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, red is very ominous too. Like, you know, is it, is it fire? Is it po- like, there could be so many connotations to it, but it just looks dangerous. Red means stop danger. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we see like these giant, like Ava bodies just in stasis, like just in these weird positions around and you know that begs the question: like, where the hell are all these bodies coming from? That is a good question, and they are. Pre- it's like a war zone they're walking through almost. Yeah, you know? I mean, and there's debris floating all over the place. Um, Asuka's using a compass to get back to where they're going. Um, and then you know Shinji kind of kicks the bucket almost here because his uh, his suit seems to be what was keeping him. S- if you want to call him alive, um, alive, but uh, he has a little little button on his wrist, and it, it t- says him, oh my gosh, tells him that the battery is running low and that the suit operations are impaired. Um, but fortunately, their destination isn't very far away. Yeah, and I, I, but you can tell that he's basically running on empty, and I think the suit is just keeping him upright. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have kept walking with them. They would have had to drag him or something. Um, but I just love that it, it they're, in every scene, it's their personalities. Oscar's always up front. He's always in the back. And, you know, it's, it's I don't know. I, I, I really appreciated that kind of difference there. Yeah. And they are a iconic trio, to say the least. The three of them. Uh, no matter what iteration of Ray happens to be with them. As long as there's um, a ray in there somewhere. But, you know, let's... Oh, my gosh. Mr. I I think for the first time since we started this podcast, I am allowing one of the cats in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I may come to regret. <laughs> that may not have been the wisest decision. Come on. All right. We're good. Just saying hello. So, they shortly arrive at their town their little village that they're going to here hit me hit me with some some first thoughts and opinions on this village uh well it seems very um <laughs> uh, recently conceived i guess would be uh you know i mean they it looks like they made do with what they had and shinji wakes up to tracksuit am i right yeah toji Toji. he's a doctor he's a doctor now so that was a pleasant surprise i was like wait a minute that's tracksuit 
and his little baby and his little dog. So sounds it seems like he's doing pretty well considering. Yeah. Um, so I was that was a nice little surprise. Uh but again, it it, it seemed like it's like a ramshackle type of town, you know, where there's obviously been some some devastation there and they're just trying to rebuild. Yeah, for sure. I like it, I, I would almost compare it to like a refugee camp kind yeah, of like displaced people but what's nice about it is that while it's very much you know and it's you know tumbling rumbling not really you know infrastructure isn't quite there there isn't like I don't feel this sense of impending doom for the people that live there it's kind of like this is a blank slate and so it's it's it while it's you wouldn't have your normal pleasures and whatnot of every of your normal life here you know like maybe you know electricity wi-fi um or the other things that we're associated with it has this air of um attraction to it yeah like there's something appealing about this place even though it's so simple yeah well i think it's, it's also survival too you know, you don't need much when all you really need to do is survive. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of these people have seen a lot of devastation. So you're willing to live in an environment with less than maybe what you had because your circumstances have changed. You know, humanity is different now. So you kind of have to adapt. And I think that's what they're doing. Yeah. It just feels like the people here are not only, they're not, you know, having their own pity party over everything that they lost. They really seem to be growing into their roles where not only does everyone kind of know how to contribute to the town, but they seem happy to. Yeah, it's like a collective. Mm -hmm. A real yeah. feeling of community. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I love this little place. Um, and just to touch a little bit more on the red stuff around them, the, the coreification of the thing, um, you know, if you need something to equate it to, you know, think of like the material that the inside of, you know, the, the moon was made of and uh, end of Evangelion or, you know, the cores of the angels or the Evangelions, you know, that thick red crystalline substance. Noted. All right. But yeah, Toji, doctor, kind of. And... Oh also the man about town everybody seems to know who he is yeah he's a popular guy he's he seems to be the only person other than um Kensuke who has his own house because he's the doctor i mean <laughs> it would stand to reason but yeah and he married class rep he did he did Hikari haraki uh what's the little baby's name i kind of like the little baby's name I the guess. baby's name is subame Tubame. That's right. Oh, we also get a little um, wildlife here, too, where um, Naayanami, she calls the cat the dog. She's like, that's a strange looking dog. <laughs> and as cat lovers, I, I kind of chuckled at that scene a little bit. But again, just to kind of show, you know, how life can come back and how, um, you know, things that are just normal can seem very abnormal to someone else. So yeah for sure and that's that, that's my cat commentary oh yeah i love the the interactions between ray and the cats yes. and i know 
I've, I've talked to some people about this and my undying love for Ray is not always well received. Um, some people find her, you know, boring and monotonous, but I love, every, and they do this to me, every single freaking film, they, they do something to Ray and then I have to start fresh the next one. <laughs> <laughs> every damn time. <laughs> but every time they do do it, they give me scenes of her building her personality just from being curious about the world around her. And I always enjoy watching that. I, I think too, that that's probably one of the most endearing parts about her is, is her, you know, naivete and her, her curiousness about everything. And, you know, even the most simplistic things, like, why do you say good night? Why do you say thank you? Like just putting those things in your head that you don't really think of their everyday things that we just do. And she's questioning them. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's one of the things that I like about her character and that she there's a piece of her that stays, but there's that newness to everything every time. And, and she has to relearn all of those things. And it's interesting to watch. Yeah. And I think it's easy to watch these and be like, think, hear the things that she says and think like, that's like, it's almost like silly or dumb. Like you can't take it seriously because it's so abstract from what we know. Like, I, you know, like you can't think of anyone that wouldn't know what a cat is or to say good morning or thank you. But, you know, we have to remember that this girl was raised in isolation with fucking Gendo Akari. <laughs> and, and so like, if he never teaches her what a cat is or to say good morning or that there's a negative connotation with being naked, she's never going to learn that. Yes. She hasn't been nurtured in the way that most people are to everyday things. She this is the, her first. Uh, this is the first time she's being exposed to any of this, and I I, I think it's because it, you, you sometimes you just want to ask those existential questions. Yeah, why do we do that? It's almost like a toddler, you know? Why, 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 why? Um, and she does it in a less annoying way. Like <laughs> she's just gen. You can tell it's just genuine, genuine curiosity about the human experience. And you know, especially she seems to form a bond pretty early on with class rep, and she seems pretty patient with her to explain. You know, well, this is why we do this, and this is why we do that. Um, so I, I kind of liked that dynamic too. It seems like she's, you know, she's not scolding her for not knowing this or not judging her because she doesn't know this. She's really genuinely trying to explain to her you know what's going on yeah and I think going into this film especially for the first time it's easy to get swept away in you know the new story and the new places and you know all this stuff that we're not familiar with that's going on and it they do such a great job especially you know class rep and um Toji of treating all three of the trio exactly how they need to be treated yes but, like asuka knows the ropes she's fine uh ray like everyone is just like treating it's almost like a you know a brand new kid popped up and they're just like you don't know this thing here this is what it is no judgment and you know they she she starts working with the ladies just fine it picks it right up she doesn't argue or anything she just starts working she's becomes part of the village and with shinji like they, <laughs> I can't say I'd, I'd be able to do the same knowing all this shit that he does, but they're so supportive, but 
you know, the right amount of distance between them, you know, not smothering him, but giving him enough space while, you know, not letting him be absolutely catatonic on his own. Kudos to them. I, I, I definitely, I see that. And yeah, with Shinji, cause you can't like, <clears throat> there's, you can't always talk someone out of their mood. Right. I mean, he's just in his own feelings right now. And I think, you know, with the food and all that, like he's going to come around in his own time and he's got to work this out. And I think as adults, they see that, but they give him a space, a, a safe space to do that. Um, yeah. And he snaps at him a couple times and it's not exactly the greatest experience, but the kid's been through a lot. Let's face it. Yeah, I mean, he's for sure. And like, we can't, I mean, I suppose you could, but I don't know if you'd be right to, you can't look down on him or criticize him because he doesn't have the strength that someone like Asuka seems to do where, you know, it's not saying that Asuka has been through more or less trauma than Shinji, but she just has that inherent strength to, at the very least, put up a good face and work through it. All right. But Shinji's not like that. Right. And, and again, it, trauma can manifest in different people, different ways. So for her, for Asuka, she throws it into her, you know, her rage and her revenge and her anger. And that's how she's able to deal with it. Whereas Shinji just kind of collapses in on himself and we don't really know what he's thinking about. We don't know what's on his mind. He hasn't communicated it all to anyone. Um, so, you know, we kind of just are along for his ride, but he's always there in the background, um, and everybody is aware of his presence, but they're giving him some time. Yeah. And I mean, let's just quick recap of what, you know, of what he's been going through. I mean, following the second film, causing, you know, the near, near third impact, third film, everyone hates him. <laughs> like, yes. he didn't have people, like, he had Gendo, I guess, like, he's, he's a father he's somewhat in his life. I know he's not a good father by any means. And he had Ray and he had Asuka and he had Misato. But going into the third film, you know, Misato hates him. Asuka hates him. Ray's dead. Gendo's not in there. Then he gets Kaora, who's like his best buddy. And you know, Kaora's like, you know what? If me and you do this thing, I think we can reverse all the bad stuff that's been done. And Shinji is all on board for that. And what happens? Kaura dies in front of him and now and everyone else still hates him <laughs> you're right I mean he's he is in a pit of despair that's that's definitely for sure um and I just <laughs> I, I want to feel bad for Shinji a lot of the time but I guess sometimes it's hard for me to relate but again when you I, I think it's just representative of of you know, those times when you feel really alone in the world. And I think that's kind of what he's feeling now. You know, he doesn't have anyone in his life to, you know, he went from having a bunch of people supporting him to everybody hating him. And that's got to be hard to take, especially with what he's dealing with now. And, and, and he's always been in conflict, but now it's just, now you've got conflict and trauma. So um, yeah, Shin, Shinji's a little, <laughs> he's, he's in a way right now. It's definitely yeah. in a way. So two things with Asuka and Shinji we should talk about is that Shinji sees Asuka naked because she walks out naked. Was it on purpose? I don't know. Maybe. But she doesn't, she seems to get irritated at his lack of response, almost as though she was thinking like, sure, he's going to be quiet, but I mean, I'm sure th this should get a reaction. 
I think that's exactly what it was. And I, and I also think it's kind of a callback to, you know, when they were first meeting and all that stuff. And she, she needs to be the center of attention. So I think this is her grown up way of, of doing that. And yeah, she's trying to get, because deep down, she really does care about Shinji. She's trying, and she is, she's trying to get a reaction from him. Like stop your shitty, sad sack and just perk up a little bit, you know? I mean, I don't necessarily know that I would have gone about it the way she did, but she was definitely trying to elicit a reaction from him. And and the only way she knows how. It's a bold move, but then I'm going to ask is a, a bold lady. She is. She is. And Shinji, you know, no reaction to that. But upon seeing uh, the fact that Asuka also has a DSS choker on her, he vomits. <laughs> yeah, he has a really strong reaction to that. Yes. Yes. And a nice little nod that, you know, it's very easy to move past is that following that interaction, Asuka leaves a scarf around her neck. So the DSS chokers hit it from that point on do you think that was a deliberate move on her part like she's i i think this is this would be such a small and subtle and unnoticeable way from the people around her for her to show that she does actually care about shinji i i could see that being the case because she can't ever say it so i love that she calls kensky ken ken yes (laughs) (laughs) I just had to throw that in there because you know me with the nicknames. So I thought, I thought that was pretty funny how she kept referencing Ken Ken. <laughs> yeah. And another thing, I, and I don't, I'm not going to keep going back to Shinji. I promise we're going to move on. But like, imagine seeing all of your childhood friends, but they're 16 years older now and all have established lives and like families and you're still 13. Yeah. That's got to be quite a shock. I would imagine. Yes. And another layer of loneliness. So he's not even progressing with his peers. He's just stuck. And I mean, I guess that's a theme too, is that, you know, feeling stuck, feeling like you have no one to relate to you is, is a very, very lonely feeling. And, and they, they certainly drive that point home in Shinji. There's no doubt about that. Now, what do you think is the relationship between Ken Ken and Asuka? Uh, that's a good question. Um, at this point, I, I would say Asuka feels comfortable around him um, to be herself. And I also don't think she wants, she doesn't want to deal with anybody else. So she's kind of tolerating him. But I think to a certain degree, there's some level of familiarity with him that is, is something she can hang on to. So, and not wanting to be alone, <laughs> you know? So I think there's different layers to it. Um, like an yeah, ogre. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also too, like, I don't, I also don't know what she's doing. She just chills around there with her underwear on, like, you know, just like no biggie. And so I don't know. I don't know if there's like some sort of romantic inclination there or if it's just out of necessity. But knowing Asuka, I'm pretty sure that it's out of necessity. Yeah. And I, it's definitely weird. The I believe it, I got this from the Ava Wiki. Um, and they describe Kensuke as being uh, close friends and a father figure to her. Yeah, and- I, I can see that being the case. Yeah, and I, I think especially with, you know, the fact that she's a, a an adult, 
of heavily traumatized adult woman in a child's body. She's not going to have a normal father-daughter relationship, but this seems like the most amicable and positive and closest thing to that that she could achieve. Yeah, and, and also, too, that they knew each other during their childhood. There's that connection there, too. And there's that level of familiarity and the understanding of her background that he has that makes that a comfortable uh, relationship. I also think too, you know, when they were kids, he, him and Shinji, you know, he took him out and he, you know, played those military games with him and showed him a lot of stuff. So he, he would, then he was more of a friend figure, but you know, now that he's older, I think that he's gotten more to that adult type of role for both of them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say that's, that's the relationship there. Yes. And if for anyone wondering, you know, the, the, the silly questions that we always like, like, where does this town get their shit from? Um, we need to find out that there is a new organization that works either with or under Vila called Credit, which is basically this like, you know, uh, Habitat for Humanity type organization for this new world. I was under the understanding that it was like, they're like the go-betweens between the villages. Like they must do like the bartering and the like the negotiating back and forth between different organ different people and different villages. Mm, I imagined it as kind of like a subset of Vila. Cause I'm not like a boots on the ground organization. Yeah, like the, Vila is out there, you know, fighting the big fight here, you know but they have people that are designated to keep this settlement that they've created up and running. I feel yeah. And they don't, I don't know if they're, I get the impression that there's not, but I could most definitely be wrong. They just don't really indicate it. I wonder if there are any other human settlements like this elsewhere that are also getting support from Kriti or if it's just this village. That's a good question. Um, at this point, I don't think we have any other reference besides the fact that they're there. But I will say that there's a very, in the opening scene when we, or one of the opening scenes where we see Kensky for the first time, um, or I'm sorry, tracksuit for the first time, um, there's these shipping containers that say Credit on the side, mm -hmm. which would lead one to believe that maybe they have a larger organization so it's not just in this area that maybe they're shipping containers at their places so i don't know if they do that in the attempt to kind of make us think that it's a bigger organization or if i'm reading too much into that <laughs> i think it's well i don't know it's hard because even vila i don't think is that big i feel like i mean but it must be it must be bigger than than we see and I think, you know, it would make sense that there are at least one or two other settlements who also have, you know, there, there were other nerve branches and whatnot, or, you know, people who are in the know-how about this that would be able to, you know, perhaps get one of those anti-L pillars up and running enough so that they could establish a village too. Mm -hmm. And then I think Credit would then, you know, facilitate that into, you know, building it up and making it sustainable. So a critty, I guess, now that we're explaining it, might a better be equated to like the UN or um, who's the relief people? I'm thinking it almost as like, like 
think of a private military as Vila, mm-hmm. and then that private military having a like a foundation that just gives away, you know, gifts and grants to specific things. And so like it's under the umbrella of that larger organization, but it's kind of like to the side. And so that like, you know, or how it's like it's nonprofit organization. Yeah, basically. But you know, I would assume that the head of credit would eventually through the food chain be Misato at the very end. Oh, she's the head of the snake by no doubt about that. And I know it's something like credit seems like something that the Misato we know and love would create if given, you know, the means and the opportunity. Yeah. Showing her soft underbelly. Yeah. And her humanity. So let's, <laughs> um, sorry, when, uh, I think it's when Toji's dreaming, he's sleeping and he's dreaming and he, he says in his dream, hey, rations manager, don't get all worked up over this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, actually, there are some lighthearted moments. I, I really have to say that the whole montage of not Ray with uh, the women in the bog there. Um, I love those broads. I think they're great. <laughs> yeah. They're a, little, they're a little nice little relief and they bring you back to basics or at least they do for not Ray. And I think again, they're, they're judgy in kind of a funny gruff sort of way, you know, but they, they do teach her how to do things and they see that she can pick it up and she ends up just working together with them really well. And I thought that was a really like sweet, lighthearted part of this that that she's assimilating into the society and that they're showing her the nitty-gritty of stuff like actually growing food and eating that food and harvesting that food so i i thought that was an interesting considering everything that's going on that's a very you know down to basics type of thing yeah and this i think this sort of angle of things this showing the inner workings of life at ground level is something that has become, I think, more popular in the last few like decades of fiction content than it than older ones. Like for just for instance, and, and I pick the same examples because you know I, I I pick my stuff and I I know what I know and it's not a lot. But like if you read something such as Lord of the Rings and you're thinking of a large city like Minas Tirith, then you're like, how does they how do they provide food for the city? Where are the farmers? Where are these workers? How does this sustain? Like, I feel like older writers and whatnot, they weren't worried about that. They were worried about telling the story. And, you know, that stuff wasn't interesting, wasn't part of the story, wasn't necessary. But then, you know, things go on. Like, we get that sort of background in uh, more modern things like Game of Thrones. And I think that works that take the time to show how, you know, if you're presenting a world that is very different and foreign to ours but runs on the same sort of system I think it's really cool when you show exactly how it actually works yes yes because it takes a very large concept and it smacks you right back down to earth again that things are very basic it's complicated like we start off with this complicated machinery and all this stuff doing all of what it's doing and then right 
next scene later, you're on a farm with a bunch of old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it is, it's showing a lot of different perspectives of um, where, where we are in humanity. You know, we can do all of these great things, but when it comes down to it, the basic stuff is really very important as well. Yeah. And it's, it, they make it look so appealing. Like, do I want to stand in a field in the hot Japan summer and pluck turnips all day? Hell no, I don't. But those old ladies make it sound like a lot of fun. I'd be ready to put a hat on and jump right in that water with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, same things like, how do you bathe? There's, they've turned a train car into a bathhouse. You know, what about if I want to read? There's a train car that's a library now. <laughs> yes, I did like the train car library. I thought that was pretty awesome. You miss the penguins? We got penguins still. They're still we, around. We absolutely do. Penguins are still there. A plenty. Little groups. Abounds, yes. Oh, sorry. We should take a, a moment because I don't think we ever see it. I don't think we ever see Pen Pen again. No, we, well, we see him in the, with the penguin. I don't know that it's him, but there's a penguin that is very Pen-Pen-like. I swear, I, that better be Penguin, Pen-Pen. <laughs> <laughs> it better be. We'll have to confirm that. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is, before we talk about, you know, when Shinji starts actually get moving, before we get into that, because I feel like that's a, that will lead leeway into a bunch of other stuff. Um, I mean, I think their, their method of showing us, explaining how this village works and showing its cute little odds and ends by way of Ray exploring it is very cool. And, you know, her connection that she starts to build with um, Tsubame is, is endearing as well. Yeah, I, I liked the part where um, uh, class rep was nursing the baby and <laughs> Ray kind of grabbed and she's like, well, and she's like, no, your body can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny and very like basic, like, yeah, well, yeah. I have those too. Do I, can I do yeah. the same thing? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, just something's not right here. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I, do these work like that too or what? I thought it was really cute. <laughs> But no, you're right. I think we as the viewer can appreciate Ray in this scenario just because she is learning everything about this place for the first time. And so are we kind of. Um, so we're seeing it through her eyes. And I and I and also from a very small family dynamic, class rep and and uh tracksuit being together, having their little nuclear family. I want to say that somebody's father I don't know if it's whose father it is but he seems he was in the picture early on so you do see that you know family life is still existing and and you know people are still bringing life into the world and it, there's there's a, a level of hope that I think is there too that we've been lacking lately especially with you know Shinji's state of mind there really doesn't seem to be any hope but there seems to be hope on the outside happening yeah yeah absolutely um, and so I know, you know, I spent some time talking about, you know, giving all this credit to how everyone was, you know, kindly supporting Shinji and I know at the very least making sure he doesn't starve to death, if nothing else. Um, but in the end, you know who gets him off his fucking ass? Asuka. Right. Because she's not taking his shit anymore. Like, yep. 
she's she's really the only one and has been for a while that challenges him and i think that there's a during that scene where she's like shoving food in his face and like yelling at him and like throwing balls out on him i think that it's not just her concern for shinji it's also her anger about these the situation and and the fact that he's even there at all the fact that you know she's got a lot that she's been dealing with so i, I think in an attempt to snap him out of it it's almost like she's talking herself out of whatever funk she was in you know i mean it may not be the catatonic state that shinji's in but there's definitely something in her that she needs to get out and i think that that was a good catalyst for her to do that and she's really the only one that doesn't tippy toe around shinji or try to cater to him she basically tells him he's a stupid idiot yeah. <laughs> snap out of it and it's not like he does gets up and runs a marathon after that but she gets him off the floor and he, yes. he goes out into yes. the world. Yes. And all of its floating gloriousness. Yes. And we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about the, the freaking, what are they called? The wanderers. Just, yes. Yep. Just big ass evil looking things just walking around. Don't worry. We don't need to talk about those. Not important. But... <laughs> pay, no, pay no attention to those floating structures. <laughs> yeah. Like if you go outside of the barrier of the town, not only will you probably die from not being able to breathe, but you might get plucked up by these giant walking zombies. <laughs> yeah, so be careful. Be very, very careful. <clears throat> so Shinji gets up. He starts hanging out at that uh, little water spot by um, the ruins of uh, the second branch. Um, and I think this is where the rebuilds might differ from the series a little bit because you know, when you say second branch, I'm thinking second, ruins of second branch of nerf. And I'm like, based on where they are, I can't figure out what, where this would be. Because I believe the second branch is supposed to be in Nevada. And unless, you know, some very intense terraforming went on, this doesn't look like Nevada. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. But I think it, it's, more of a um, a reference point to say that this is where Shinji is going to kind of connect to a place that makes him feel more complete because that's where he felt better. So he's going back to a place where he felt some sort of worth. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know the specific detail either. But I think the underlying point is that that's his kind of like his safe place. Yeah. Yeah, but I was trying to figure out, like, where would you guess that this village is located, roughly speaking? Oh, geez, I wouldn't even venture. Yes. I was I thinking know. I was thinking somewhere in Europe. I don't I know why. I just got the feeling that while they're far away from Paris, where, you know, that whole scene went down, I don't get the feeling that they're, I don't think that they're in North America for some reason. Oh, I definitely don't think they're in North America. No, I, I that I wouldn't. I could definitely rule that out. Um, possibly Europe somewhere. We're not probably not talking about Germany because isn't that where Oscar's from? Yeah, I was thinking. I don't know because like the the scenery seems very temperate and like normal. You know, mm -hmm. nothing. You know, it looks like you know what you would see in most of north america are just like moderate europe you know just forests there's rivers the temperature is not too hot not too cold you know there's not any like identifying trees or 
landscapes really the, that stick out. And maybe it's meant to be generic. Maybe we're not supposed to know, you know, yeah, one well, of those deals. Yeah, well, if they say second branch ruins, they should know better. <laughs> they should know they're going to be checked by their fans. <laughs> yeah, so <called> bullshit. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, so, yeah, so Shinji gets up, starts doing his thing. And, you know, Ray starts visiting him. And she doesn't really get through to him, not until a little bit later on. But you know, come on, Shinji. Even even Ray's making a life here. I know the girl with like zero emotion and attachment is is thriving, and you're kind of just stuck. So yeah, it's it's he needs. And it was really, I thought it was really kind of sad with the whole um, Ray bringing him the headset or the Walkman. Mm-hmm. and he just kind of tossed it at her and yeah it, it like, was just what the fuck was up with that yeah like i mean that used to be as we would remember like one of his prized possessions and now he has no use for it and and it wasn't even like a you know just kind of blew it off i mean he was like angry about it which is not shinji like no and like i know that it would remind him of his father but you would think you'd have the um, temperament to realize that this is, hey, despite all the shit that went down, I saved this thing for you. Right. You know, I'm giving it to you because I know that it was important to you at one point. Right. It's less about the item and more about the gesture. The gesture yeah. is an attempt to, you know, say, hey, I see what you're going through. Maybe this will help you out of it. But he just, his reaction is is very mean frankly and you kind of feel bad for her yeah so let's talk about the little trip that uh kensuke takes shinji on Mm -hmm. um so we get that you know kensuke is kind of the handyman around the village he isn't stuck in one place he um has a truck and he lives you know kind of like up the hill away from the main village uh, along with asuka and then he has to go on these runs because um, they have to maintain the, the trails that they make and the roadways and make sure that something's not failing so that they don't die. Um, and, you know, he brings Shinji to this little work site where they have a little, um, you know, the, those, an area of those pillars set up where they're doing some work there. And uh, we meet a, a tall glass of water there. <laughs> yes. Uh, by the name of Ryoji Kaji. Yeah. Who is very much Kaji's son, Kaji and Misato's son. I mean, very much. (laughs) (laughs) We all wanted it. I don't know. I I was rooting for it. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't want Kaji to have to die to get there, but. No. Here we are. Here we are. That's right. And what do you think about Misato's decision to keep him, their relationship severed, you know, completely separate lives? Well, it's a very Misato thing to do. You know, I think she's trying to, you know, disconnect herself and her role from everyone else and maybe thinking that the less involvement she has, the the less she'll fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, you're probably absolutely right. I bet she has a tremendous amount of guilt about what happened with Shinji. And she probably thinks if I'm to be successful, not only can I not drag him into my bullshit, but 
since I couldn't do much for Shinji, I bet I'll just make things worse so it's better for just separate completely. Uh, I I definitely think that is the driver behind it. I think that she felt like a failure with Shinji and doesn't want to repeat that mistake. So her solution is to just, you know, throw herself into her job and do the greater good um, so that she doesn't rub off anything negative on him. But, you know, in doing that, she may not realize it, but again, it just, it, it makes... I think, and it, not to foreshadow, but I feel like it would make him feel like, you know, well, why did you not pay attention to me? Why wasn't I involved? Why didn't you care enough to be in my life? Um, so I don't think she's thinking about those ramifications. I think that she's doing it mostly to protect him. Yeah, absolutely. And I just noticed in my notes here too, that um, one of Kensuke's tasks is to repair the machines that uh, Vila built but as part of the organization credit. So there just does seem to be at least some, uh, you know, inner relationship between those two, two companies there, mm -hmm. or organizations rather. Um, and I know- Oscar uh, makes mention, I think, and, and check me if I'm wrong here, but uh, she makes reference to the fact when she's talking about the Lillens and, you know, her disdain for them, she mentions the fact that she's protecting them, not living with them, um, which I thought was an interesting choice of phrase because, you know, again, it, it almost seems like she is trying to make herself better than everyone there by saying that it's her responsibility to protect them. That way she doesn't ever have to get close to anybody, you know, that she's detaching herself from them by saying, well, I'm the only one that can protect them. So I don't need to bow down to anybody. Like, I don't know if, if I'm right about that or what, but that was, it was something I caught that I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, despite them having starkly different personalities, you know, Asuka's, you know, a victim of self-isolation too, and building these walls and focusing on these differences and, you know, living, she lives with just Kensuke. Like she doesn't seem to interact with anyone else really. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not that, not doing that much different than what Shinji's doing. You know, they're both very alone and for reasons that they really don't need to be. Right. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it's, it's interesting how they lean on the distinction between, uh, you know, the, the children of the Avas and the Lillen. Yes. And I, and I also think like during this whole time, they, they keep um, putting in little excerpts, you know, or little montages of not Ray, you know, going through normal daily life and you know fooling around with the people in the village and trying new things and then you see Shinji by himself and further driving the point home like you know when one is thriving one is is in despair and so I think it's it's very interesting to see that next to each other too you know that, that they have such different ways of uh, navigating the world that are very different from each other even though they're all basically in the same situation yeah and I mean, they, they, they drive this point home time and time again, but in a, in a way that's not, it's easy to not miss, but it's very subtle. Right. But the fact that the entire goal and objective of Evangelion as a series is to tell people to 
go out and be a part of life. Yes, live your life. You only got one. And so, you know, we see, I mean, when they got here, Ray and Shinji were both brandy new, didn't know anybody, and they perfectly show how, you know, choosing to be alone just prolongs the suffering where if you just are just approach things with an open mind and curiosity, you can integrate into almost, you know, any society and have a, you know, pretty fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. It's a good message. Uh, they are so, I believe, let's see here. Um, they talk about, they go and visit Kensuke's father's uh, grave site mm-hmm. for a little bit here. Um, which I'm not, what do you think there's anything to that? Do you have, or do you think it was just a, you know, going into Kensuke's character a little bit more? Um, I, I think it's that, but I also think it's kind of a callback to, you know, all like the death or the grave when um this is like way early on when shinji and gendo go to her like weirdo cemetery there um like just showing that there's there of generations of people that you know are going through this and that even though some people are no longer with us that we can still carry on their memory so i think anytime you're integrating that kind of thing i think that's that's somewhat always the message but um i also think maybe too to say to Shinji you know we we all have grief we all have loss but it's it's the way that you deal with it and you know I I could be that's my no I like that and the the go off of that I mean when Shinji and Genda went to the gravesite in the series I mean not only was you know Shinji basically only there because it was an opportunity to see his dad there was almost no interaction the gravesite was empty and then Gendo ditches him after. Right. Whereas this one, we have Kensuke is bringing, you know, friends of his to a, a place that's very meaningful to him here. It's a real gravesite with a real person. And it's a, it's a, you know, it shows what that experience could have been like for Shinji. Right. That he could, that it would have, it could have been more of a comfort rather than a shock. Like, yeah. I think it was a real shock to him. And, and plus two, it was a very like modern, you know, generic space that she had, that, that her final resting place was. And with Kensuke, he takes him through this, you know, beautiful scenery and rivers and, you know, all of this nature around, um, which is a very stark contrast to what he was used to seeing as a as a monument for someone who's been who's gone so i think it's kind of teaching him that yeah it, it, is it sad absolutely but look at you know look at the life around you the the nature everything that you could be taking in um that unfortunately you know those have gone before us can't so we trying to have a better appreciation for it yeah i mean this just in the within the first half hour you know this has shown that you know, you can, you can not only join this village and be a part of them, but, you know, they value young life. You know, they can see how they take care of the children there and how happy they are. And that, you know, even after you die, like you're still cared for, you know, and remember, full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to people 
you know, that, that their memory or their legacy that it lives on in other people. And, you know, it's, it, we know that, uh, Kensuke, it seemed like he had a pretty close relationship with his, his dad. Cause he used to talk about him all the time in the early parts of the series and, you know, the stories that he told us, so there's obviously a strong connection there, which was lacking in Shinji's life, but that doesn't mean it, And I, maybe on some level, he's showing him that, you know, not every dad is a dick. <laughs> And just because, you know, you, you can't have a relationship with him physically doesn't mean you can't still remember him and recognize his life. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of this. And, and again, it's his, it's Kensuke's like adultness coming out and his wanting to maybe mentor these kids to be a little bit, you know, more cognizant of humanity. Yeah. And in Kensuke's, when he's explaining as he, you know, brings Shinji through to the gravesite, um, you get a good grasp of. I, I, I'm assuming it's 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 Kensuke's ideology, but I'm assuming it branches into the rest of the village too, where like they've really stepped into this place of not only you know absolute optimism for the future, but of like we're gonna take care of the land that we have here. You know where. We're not cutting anything down. You know, if there's something in the path, we'll move it to the side, but we're not damaging anything. We're just nourishing it. It's also a very good theme to have. Yeah, especially considering the the utter destruction and weirdness that surrounds them. I mean, you see outside that like little force field, all the shit just floating in the air, which has got to be a good reminder that things can go terribly wrong. And so maybe keeping things simple is the way to go. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know how educated the, the villagers are, but, you know, the villagers might be living about their day happy and go lucky with very little knowledge that, you know, people like, you know, Kaji's son are working every day from making sure that that force field doesn't collapse on them. Right, that someone's at the wheel. Yeah. But uh, I think following that trip... Um, we go back to Shinji and Ray together, I think, right? It's the next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Shinji finally starts to open up and, you know, let some of his emotions out and, and vent a bit. You get to actually hear, you know, the emotions that he's been, that he's been feeling and the, they're, uh, they're not light. <laughs> no, by no means um and you know it's it's funny you know it it was and and maybe i'm probably just reading too far into this absolutely but it's a nice thought you know that it seemed to be that it was oscar that got shinji up and out and it was ray that got him talking yeah um and we're like you know what maybe there is hope for this sad sad little boy and also too i think that people come or are in your life to you know help bring out a side in you that maybe you didn't know you had and with Asuka the strength that she has she kind of projects that onto Shinji when he needs it the most and with Ray, he knows that she can basically be a sounding board for him um, with no judgment with no you know other than her (laughs) blunt questions but there is no malice there there is no there's you know it's kind of a blank slate and so I think that's 
you know, the friend that you can tell anything to. And, and, and so now we're starting to see him integrate more of the outside world via these relationships. And that's, what's helping him to, you know, come out of this state. So I think it does, it does speak to having people in your life that can help you, you know, tap into the, what you need at that particular moment. And I think that's what Asuka and Ray do for Shinji. Yeah. And as they keep, you know, interacting with each other, we get that, we start to get what could be, you know, that original trio dynamic back again. You know, Shinji is doing the dishes at Kensuke's house. Asuka comes home. She now, you know, not only addresses Shinji just in normal conversation, but she shows interest in, you know, how it's, how's Ray been assimilating into this? You know, it's, <laughs> if it's just it's i can't believe that they showed us how great things could be and show this this beautiful path and then just fucking tore it away from us i mean that's kind of always the theme of this this series isn't it i mean it's like it, it lulls you into a false sense of security and then just cuts you right down <laughs> yeah i mean we have ray reading bedtime stories to subame and you know we come to find out that this is temporary Ray can't just like in the previous you know iterations series whatever what have you Ray can't live outside of nerf facilities for long on her own is it is it because she's becoming too human I think it's basically I from what I understand I mean she is you know a she has a part of a part of a human soul in a artificial body and it seems like without the instruments that they have at nerf to kind of recharge that battery or you know replenish it repair it it will you know disintegrate on its own over time or overloaded with too much information that is not pertinent to her and kind of fries her memory if you will yeah i yeah, I don't know. I guess it could be could be either one. I I like the I like the notion that if she had her little test tube that she likes to sit in, you know, mm-hmm. if she had that here, that she'd be fine. Like until you know, live out her days without issue, you know. And, she, and at the end of it, she would be indistinguishable from any other person living there, you know, full, you know, getting the lingo, getting the the social interactions, having the job, everything. Um, But it's my, my opinion that it's just this, like her body does not have what it takes to sustain itself. Yeah. Like it just, she just doesn't have the capacity. Um, And so, you know, we get <laughs> and this is probably the only, and I don't even know if I'd say I dislike it, but I'm just, it was just interesting. I like how not only does Ray not know what to name herself, but Shinji just calls her Ayanami anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't have the energy for a new name, man. I, I really yeah, He's like, what was wrong with the old one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to learn a new name. I'm trying to come out of this black hole of emotion i yeah. don't want to have the energy to rename you <laughs> and she's like she spent these weeks like putting in the work and she's like 
I I am my own person. I am my own person. I don't need nerf. I don't need orders. I'm living for myself, not because people are telling me what to do. Let's give myself a name. You know what? My best friend, my best friend Shinji. <laughs> I need a name. What should you call me? <laughs> it's just like, you know those other identical clones of you that have died? I'm going to name you the same name as them. <laughs> yep. Good luck to you. <laughs> Hope you have a different fate than the last like 10 of them. <laughs> um, but, you know, that does perk him up and he's, they start talking and you know we do get this glimmer of hope from Shinji that he is going to make an effort to you know get into the village and start assimilating just like the others have um and then uh Ray explodes (laughs) in front of him (laughs) and boom goes the dynamite there you are heart ripped from your chest yes I know I was like, oh, fuck, you kidding me? <laughs> Not already. It's getting well, really, like- really hard to egg on Shinji, and they're not making it easier. No, they're not. They're just as soon as he comes, there's a glimmer of hope. It's just shattered immediately. Yeah. So this is this is about where we where we where we end for this episode, and you know what a cliffhanger. I mean, you up until now, we kind of had this idea of like, I think I could kind of guess where these three are going to go. You know, they're, they're, they're going to keep building this rapport up and they're going to be a team and we're going to have this battle off against Nerf eventually, you know, defending this village. And they really say, nope, fuck that. Um, something else is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought you had it figured out. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where we, we end off here is, is Ray's last last words there before she just splats. Remind us what the last words were. Do you remember? Um, don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, just, I don't I, I don't think recall. I have them. But there are some other things, really quick little tidbits of notes that I we didn't touch on. Um, they mentioned that Kaji stopped the near third impact they don't really say how Mm -hmm. um but they say that he basically sacrificed himself to stop it um so very very noble death for i was gonna say what a noble swarmy guy he is yeah and you know prior to ray's death here you know keeping with the very prim and proper and um formal japan niceties you know she folds up her clothes and writes a little note for um, class rep and you know I don't know if it would do more good or bad to Shinji but it seemed almost like she I don't know if she knew the timeline but she knew she was gonna die Mm -hmm. and so she you know kind of wrote her note said her goodbyes and it was like my last thing here is I'm gonna give this Walkman back to Shinji and you know and then that that happens and so i guess i mean you don't tend to think that shinji's gonna be positive and you know take bad things that happen to him and turn him into a new light but if you were to look at him that way then you know he could take this very purposeful like final act that ray does by 
you know, giving her, letting her name him and giving him the Walkman and then dying right there. Oh, here we go. So her last words uh, among them, she said that she wanted to hold Subame more and that she wanted to be with the boy that she liked. Mm. Oh, Ray. Yeah, and then tug- she dies. Yep, <laughs> just tugging right at our heartstrings. Yeah, right. I, I I know. Uh, one thing I do want to mention too, and this is just back, um, kind of a logistic thing, but I thought it was kind of neat that um, all the houses have solar panels, um, and they they make it a point a few times to show like the landscape of all of these places. And so again, I think it's you know adapting to their situation, using what they have, what's available to them on a primitive level. And so you know that's that's something that again back to basics, just. I thought was pretty cool and then especially in the city that where they have it seems like they have such limited resources um to be doing that I think is just kind of cool I wish everybody would do it <laughs> yeah and I mean if, if if you just like cut off the movie here and you know don't even think about the rest of it but especially with how things are now and have been going um it's it can be sometimes difficult to stay positive yeah um but you know this image that they portrayed with this little village of like this very much so like post-apocalyptic world of these people that are living simple and fulfilling lives and being what seems to be genuinely good people and contributing to each other is very uplifting it is. And I guess if we're, we're trying to stay positive here, um, as far as the Ray explosion goes, um, I maybe look at it like she's kind of passing the torch to him. Like I'm full of capacity on, on how I can live in this environment. And you need to now be the one to take over where I started. So I'd like to look at it that way rather than, you know, a sadness that she kind of trailblazed for him and got him, you know, to, to come out of his shell um, in an attempt to kind of train him to take over and, and, and start living his life. Um, so I guess if you want to try to put a positive spin on somebody's head exploding in front of you, <laughs> it's kind of a pass the torch situation in a very awful, horrible way, but um, maybe to kind of put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Almost like a, mentally exchanged like i can't live the way i wanted to so you better you know do it yourself yes and like i mean i guess you can equate it to someone you know who's like terminally ill you know they they know the end is near and they want to give you the last bit of you know advice or wisdom that they have for you and and in that moment i think you really need to pay attention and really need to let that sink whatever they have to say sink in because you know i i think she did know the moment was coming i mean she could you know with the hand her the palm of her hand starting to disintegrate like she knew something was up yeah. so you know maybe the, the the like i said that was it was her way of you know making one final connection with him to kind of take over where she left off yeah absolutely well that's about it we ended at about 54 minutes 55 minutes into the film Mm -hmm. um which is you know longer than i anticipated but it's it was a good spot to end um so i still think that we'll still have 
enough content for at the at least three or four more episodes um yeah absolutely and i think too a lot of it is um you know going back and the previous films the the show some of the references that are there um kind of bringing those back up so it's a good you know maybe a good time to rewatch some of the movies if not all of them just to kind of get up to speed but um i think that where we are now it's a good place to kind of stop and pick up again yeah absolutely uh you have any uh what's what's the word not closing lines but uh closing thoughts well i want to say in closing that it is very good to be back uh at the podcast again we like we said before really appreciate um all of you that have emailed us or reached out um in any other way we definitely appreciate it and we're excited to be back um i really enjoy these movies uh i have gotten back into it like full force where I'm having dreams about it again. So um, it's it's definitely something that we enjoy making and we hope you enjoy listening to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's amazing that we get to cover a series. You know, we started covering a series that was unfinished and now having it finished and having, at least for me, having such a satisfied and pleasant and happy opinion with how they ended things is phenomenal agreed agreed but uh yeah um email us you got questions comments concerns i read all of them (laughs) you think i didn't read them all i may have forgotten to respond or took a while but i read all of them damn it (laughs) (laughs) and i can vouch for that and so do i and we appreciate every one of them so absolutely we'll be back soon so you know just keep keep an eye on your phone there for a little <laughs> ding ding and your new to listen to feed yeah as we cover evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 <laughs> thrice upon a time part two i gotta say and this is my absolute final thought anybody that can use the word thrice in their title i'm down with it boom